1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. one el delantero This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from Gunner Blog. James. Goodly afternoon. Yes,
0: I think it is. I think, goodly afternoon.
1: I, th- I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't. I don't mean it to be like goodly in the sense that you know a man a man has lost his job. We're not. We're not. Um, we're not uh, sort of celebrating that per se. But I think for the football club and for the team, hopefully, this is a a goodly afternoon on the way to a goodly weekend and perhaps a goodly few months and a goodly future. This that's where I'm coming from with this.
0: Yes, I mean, we lost a football match yesterday, so I suppose, you know, in that, in that respect, I mean, but as much as we are not celebrating a man losing his job, let's be clear, we are also celebrating that a man has lost his job.
1: Yeah, okay, we are, but I mean, it's not, it's not personal. I don't mean it to be personal no, no. Or, or anything like that. I just think that this is a decision, obviously, that's, that's overdue. But look, first and foremost, we learned our lesson We learned our lesson from uh, previous um, recordings when it felt like we had been dumped in it by decision-makers at Arsenal halfway through a a recording. Mm -hmm. They do something, and then all of a sudden what we've done is completely and utterly um, redundant. So this morning... When the news via David Ornstein broke that he was going to Unai Emery was going to be sacked by Arsenal, we we sat on our hands, um, in so many words, and waited until the until the deed was done before we started recording this podcast.
0: Absolutely, very sensible of us. And might I say, I think I deserve some credit for this turn of events because in recent weeks there have been a lot of messages from people on Twitter and stuff saying. James seems very healthy. Everything Mm. seems to be going very well in James's life. He seems fine. Nothing problematic is occurring to him. And as you know, earlier this week, I destroyed my laptop in an act of flagrant vandalism by pouring a latte into it.
1: Okay, no, Um, hang on. Let me just stop you there. What kind of a latte?
0: It was a decaf latte.
1: There you go. That's what you get. That's (laughs) what you get for decafing your latte. What is the point? What's the point? It's like drinking, well, you know, alcohol-free beer. It's pointless. But what if it's after four PM and I want to make sure I get my sleep? Then have a hot chocolate. Don't have
0: a latte. Yeah, I, yeah, fair, you're fair. Have a hot anyway. And apparently, it's the milk that's the big issue. The milk is really what. I mean, water's quite bad for a computer, but milk's awful. Mm. Anyway, it was. You know, an unfortunate incident and one that cost me considerable amount of time
1: and money, but it was all worth it. It's good now that you've moved on a little bit from personal injury... You know, which is which is something that mm. I, you know, all of our listeners, of course, are, are very wedded to and, and hope for on a regular basis, because obviously there's a, a very um, deep fundamental connection between Arsenal success and you hurting yourself. But, you mm. know, from your perspective, you know, the pain and the anxiety and the, you know, the, the, the itchiness and all the things that come with that, that's not good. So now the fact that you can um, you can have the same impact, but via inanimate objects, I think this is a step forward for you, James, and I'm very happy for you. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Andrew. That means a lot. <laughs> so how, how do you feel uh, this afternoon? I feel
1: relieved, mm. I have to say. I feel relieved because, you know, um, as we've spoken about on the podcast and as I've been writing about on the blog, I think this is something that has been overdue by, by quite a number of weeks, um, if, if not more. So, you know, right now my feeling is um, relief that finally we, we've we done what we should have done. We definitely should have done it before the international break. And, you know, we've thrown away a couple of Premier League points um, in part because of that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't... Um, I don't harbour any ill will or ill feeling towards Unai Emery. You know, he came in, he tried, he did his best, it wasn't good enough. And that's kind of it, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's not like he he's... Um, absolutely uh, taking the piss or not tried or, or whatever it might be. You know, I, I I I wish him well wherever he goes next. And I think it's just part and parcel of of modern football and modern football life now that we're a club that is going to deal with managers. We have to get used to this because, you know, whatever comes next, it might not work either. We have to be prepared for that. Of course, we all want it to get better. Mm. But, you know, I just feel relieved that, that we can now start to move forward because we've been going backwards. We've been going backwards um and it's been tough and it's been depressing. it's been disheartening. It's been hard to watch. It's you know all the concerns and and um, worries. Um, that I've had, not all of them, some of them still exist, but you know, a a lot of them are because, you know, I want the football club to do well. I want the team to do well. I want us to succeed and to, to get back to where everybody wants us to be. And that's where the frustration has come from. So my overriding feeling this morning is relief. What about you? Yeah,
0: same really. Relief that, you know, we're not sort of trapped in that situation, talking about the same thing after every single game. And I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned here for the club, you know, from the way they went about the appointment and the fact that ultimately the appointment wasn't the right one. And I think there are lessons to be learned about the end of this manager's tenure as well. You know, we are not a club used to hiring and firing coaches. And I do feel that that has uh, impacted and impeded the speed of us arriving at this decision. Um, and, And it is late. It is late. It is belated. It will. It has cost us more points, more matches than it needed to, and it's cost some of those executives maybe more goodwill yeah. than it needed to. Yeah. Um, so I hope lessons are learned there. I mean, it seems it's been in the works for uh, at least a week, really, uh, from what David Ornstein's saying. So. Yeah, I I'm I'm glad that it's done now. And if anything, and I know people don't have a great deal of sympathy with him, I'm sort of relieved for Unai Emery as well because mm. I was at, I was at the Frankfurt match last night and you know, it, it, the the doom was palpable. And uh, it was not a, a particularly pleasant experience to be there. And it's mm. been like that for a few weeks really at the Emirates Stadium. Now.
1: Yeah, it has. And you could see on his face and um you could see from his demeanor, that he, even if as David Ornstein said, he he wasn't aware that it was going to happen. Um, you know, he he's not he's not a stupid man, so he knows um, that the performances haven't been good enough. He knows that results certainly haven't been good enough, and mm. it can't have come as any real surprise to him. So, yeah, look, I think for him as well, you know, um, I think lost in the mists of time and what have you is the um, is the fact that. I think, for the for the most part, um, we all wanted Unai Emery to be a success. Oh, yeah. There was a time when we were looking at the things he was doing, um, things which over time perhaps became frustrations for us. We looked at them and we looked to take the positives from them. You know what I mean? The the tactical mm-hmm. changes, the halftime substitutions. You know, I remember very clearly having this sort of midway through his his tenure it started going, you know, we started saying, well, look, he's not afraid to change things if it's not going the way he wants. And we saw that as a really positive thing. And then it became more of a question of, well, if he's having to make the halftime changes with this frequency, does that not suggest that he's struggling to get things right in the first place, you know? So mm. oh, it's a question of um, time. Things have developed over time and the, the frustrations have grown over time and and everything else. But I think from, from his point of view, you know, it's, it's probably a relief as well because he must have been feeling the pressure and he must have been feeling like a bit isolated, a bit alone. Um, you know, when you're in a dressing room and you're trying to elicit performances from players and, and they're just not doing it on the pitch because, you know, there's no way that what we've been doing on the pitch is what Unai Emery would want any football team he manages to do. Right, no. that's not that's just not within the realms of possibility or, or uh, realism. So each week he he tells his team to do certain things, or he wants his team to do certain things, and and the fact that they can't and are getting worse and worse each week, it must be a, a horrible feeling for a manager knowing that your message is just not getting through, no matter how hard you work.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, what did you make of the? Performance last night against Frankfurt I mean it, to me I, I just looked at that and thought these players are kind of done with this coach yeah. um, that was the only way you could interpret it I thought
1: yeah I mean we didn't have a shot on target in the second half you know there were flashes and little moments where you could see what I think Arsenal should be about, some of the exciting young players and, and some of the there was one like amazing move in the second half where we worked the ball, you know down the right and it ended up with Chambers being offside. But that's the kind of football that mm. we should be seeing on a on a weekly basis. We should be seeing that four or five, ten times a game, that kind of drive and ambition to the way um, we, we get the ball forward. but you know, it was just another one of those where you know we went ahead. We're never more brittle than we're ahead. We conceded twice in quick succession, and after that, you know, there was just, there was just nothing left. And it was a real end of an era performance from from that group of players. Um, mm. Remember, we talked about Lacazette not celebrating. Yeah. Um last week against Southampton there was a moment where I think it was for the second goal actually and Meshedozi was closing down the guy who was about to take a shot and I think if you look at the replay it's almost like it occurs to him well if I block this shot they might not score and then this might not come to an end you know uh, that's me projecting of course but mm. it it's it's the kind of action that happens when a team is is on its last legs and this team has been on its last legs for weeks and weeks and weeks
0: Mm. And what a backdrop for it last night as well. I mean, it couldn't have felt more sort of apocalyptic, yeah. really, like a end-of-an-era stuff. And, you know, I mean, I know there are a lot of reasons that ground was half full last night. And, you know, obviously the ban for the Frankfurt fans are massive. Look at you part. with
1: your optimistic hat on, half full rather than half empty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that would be me. But um, I do think that, you know... That does speak volumes and and the empty seats did for Arsene Wenger to an extent. And I think they, you know, it was not full against Southampton at mm. the weekend. And I'm sure that contributed uh, for Unai Emery too. I mean, fans had grown quite disenchanted. So many people I knew just couldn't really be bothered to go to the game last yeah. night. And I do have a real sympathy with that. You know, I mean, certainly as I walked there in the rain, the thought crossed my mind. Why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I'm just glad that it's done. I would say that uh, for me, it doesn't completely absolve you know those who prevaricated and delayed in making this decision. I think it, it could have happened sooner. It should have happened sooner. And that would have been healthier for the club, mm. for everybody concerned. Um, oh, my overriding feeling is, like you say, relief and excitement. As well, you know, this is one of the most exciting times to be a fan of a football club because you've got that blank slate. All those possibilities are open to you, you know, and we can have that belief, which we haven't had for so long, mm. that things are going to get better.
1: Yeah, potentially. You know, I think there are there are wider issues and we might discuss those in, in a few minutes' time. Um, but I wanted to just sort of weave in some questions into this and... We have one here from Tony McPartland, who, who's at Tony McPartland on Twitter, who says, uh, Hi guys, was there a clear turning point where it all went wrong for Emery, or is it just that he was never the right man? For me, it was the 3-2 home defeat to Palace last season and our subsequent missing the open goal of... Of Champions League football, and I have to say, for me, the end of last season just set off so many alarm bells. Um, it, it really, really did. The fact that we just took seven points from our last seven games, we missed out on Champions League football the way we did, and you know, whatever about the Europa League final, that was that was annoying and that was painful. And to lose to Chelsea um, and lose comprehensively was was obviously bad. But I think for me, the the way we blew the the top four last season, just um, I think I was never able to get over that failure. I guess when mm. it came to to assessing Unai Emery, and you know I'll, I'll admit I was I was willing at the start of this season to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, the mitigation of it being his first season, and of course you know another transfer window in which he could bring in some players that that he wanted to bring in. But for me that was um, that was a good chunk of why I, I felt like uh, his his time here was not going to end well. Definitely a
0: massive factor. I mean, one of the things that occurs to me about Unai Emery and where it all went wrong for him is, in a, I think it's kind of death by a thousand cuts. I mean, there are so many issues here that have kind of undermined his management of the club. I mean, One I can't look past, and it's one that was associated with him at PSG, is his individual man management. And we've spoken on this show about how many different players have kind of been involved in, you know, friction potentially with the manager, uh, and and that goes all the way back to you know his start the, at the club and the decision with Aaron Ramsey not to extend his contract, and then the fact that Ramsey kind of came back into the team. I mean, all, all that stuff it all feeds in. Clearly, since the spring and since Ramsey, to be honest, we have been really bad, and he's been unable to arrest that. But I think there are so many different reasons. For me as someone who was so behind the idea of a new manager and really energised by it, I think what I find it difficult to look past is the, the way in which he sort of has folded points of principle so many times. Yeah, And... You know, going right back to the first half of last season, you know, Meza Erzl was out of favour, Aaron Ramsey was out of favour. Uh, and granted, results kind of dried up after that 22 match unbeaten run around Christmas time. And when he needed something, he turned back to them. And in my eyes, the way that he sort of folded there massively undermined his authority. And I think it must have undermined his authority in the group, too, because suddenly he became this figure who, you know, what he says you don't necessarily believe. And, yeah, I, I just think that since then, really, it's felt like someone continually trying to kind of close a gap or make up a deficit, and it's all felt a little bit desperate. Yeah. Um, and I think Unai Emery would probably say, oh, you you know, you haven't seen the real Unai if you don't stick to your guns, then it's very difficult for us to know, you know, what is the real I
1: Yeah. I think as well, look, if we're being completely fair here, we always knew that whoever was going to follow Arsene Wenger was going to mm-hmm. have a really difficult job. Right. Um, I see a lot of people sort of tweeting stuff like, well, this is what you get for getting rid of Wenger and all that kind of stuff, as if as if that wasn't the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. Arsene uh, had stayed too long and it was time for Arsenal to make a change. The fact that this particular change didn't work, you know, doesn't mean that it was wrong to, to move on from, from Arsene Wenger. And I think... You know, in the background, there were obviously things going on. There were power struggles and, and all that kind of stuff going on with, you know, Gazidis leaving, then Mislintat leaving, and Raúl taking over, and you know, just the general seismic change that was going on at Arsenal uh, as a football club. Like you mentioned, the Ramsey thing and the the contract. Mm. I, I don't think that would have been. I don't think Emery is the one who said we should re- withdraw that contract offer. You know, I I, no, I, do I I really don't think that. I think he's had a lot of um, issues to deal with, um, some of them of his own making, some of them not. You know, you, you mentioned the authority, and I think that was a, a very big one. He had this ongoing or still, well, still, he doesn't anymore, um, because Mesedozil has outlasted him at the football club when it looked, you know, completely absurd that that might be the case. Um, some Mm -hmm. time ago but you know it is yeah the authority of a manager coming in and picking a fight or picking um, you know trying to trying to uh, display his authority via uh, an altercation or whatever you might call it with the the team's biggest star maybe he was absolutely justified with that but like you say going back on it um, was probably the start of the undoing of him in terms Mm. of you know the way he was perceived in the dressing room, because, you know, if you're going to be an authoritarian, be it. But you can't be it one day and not be it the next day because then everybody knows it's just a a fake, a facade and and what have you. So, you know, I, I think he's done his best and his best wasn't good enough. And I don't think really, I never got the sense that he was quite the right man for the football club, regardless of the fact that we were going through change. I don't think he connected with what Arsenal should be or wants to be. And even the stuff when they, they hired him to say he'll build on the platform that Arsene Wenger put in place and you know all that kind of stuff. He never really displayed a true understanding of that to me because I think genuinely the fans would have been a bit more patient with, I won't say similar results, but, but iffy results if there was more ambition to the way that we played the game. And I think you know that the the cautiousness was something that really got irritating very very quickly.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And personally, I I would have loved the football to be a bit more expansive. But but I do think you know the point's been made to me recently by a few other people that Arsenal do have a history as a team who were a bit more defensive and and, you know in the 80s and early 90s that was very much the identity then and people were able to get on board with that at that time and I think if we were doing that well effectively it would be a different kettle of fish I mean you know Emery was kind of undone by the fact that he was pragmatic and cautious but our defence was still Mm. bad basically
1: yeah, it was and it remains bad. <laughs> it yeah. really does. Um yeah, I'm just sort of laughing to myself as I think of Socrates at the moment and a player who's yeah, anyway, I don't no need to get into in, in, individuals uh, at this point. Um let me ask you this. Are there over the course of the 18 months that Unai Emery has been in charge any positives that you would take away from him, his performance, or his appointment?
0: I think there were some definite highlights, and it's easy to forget them now, you know, with things being the way they are. But if you look back at last season, you know, some of the wins in the bigger games were really encouraging. I think, you know, the 4 2 over Spurs is the one everyone cites, but we had good home results against uh, Chelsea, against United. Uh, the, the win away at Valencia, I thought was a, a fantastic night. Mm. Um, but, you know, they're isolated matches, really. Aside uh, from that, I mean, I do think, you know, young players have had an opportunity under Emery whether that was uh, a consequence of his own initiative or a necessity you know uh, due to the makeup of the squad but somebody like Gendouzi really really believed in him and gave him that chance this season we've seen bits of willock bits of Saka. um i think in the in the years to come we might reflect positively on the fact that they first got their opportunities under emery beyond that Not really. I mean, Mm. I think he leaves us... I think we're a worse team now than we were when Arsene Wenger left.
1: Yeah, I find it hard to disagree with that, you know. Yeah. Um, And the fact that under Wenger, the decline was slow and steady, wasn't it? Whereas with Emery, it seemed to happen pretty rapidly. And Mm. I think it makes it feel more... More more marked, I don't know. Uh, it just... It's like microwave decline, you know? Yeah. Rather than 22 years, it's happened in, you know, five or six months. So it's more intense, I guess. I mean, what I would say is...
0: Do you remember last uh, Christmas, a year ago? I we- Gave You My
1: Heart? <laughs>
0: yes. That one? Um no, we did a song together, <laughs> you and I. Yes. Uh, here it is, Emery Christmas. And I remember the last line of Emery Christmas was, uh, Not sure we've played that well, even when we've won. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it was true, right? You know, yeah. we had the 22 game I beat run, but results uh, were markedly better than performances. And I don't think it was wrong to... Encouraged by that, because the thought there—well, you know—we're getting results even when we're not playing well. Imagine when Emery Ball clicks into gear. Imagine when he's got the right players. We'll we'll be flying. Uh, And sadly that just isn't what happened at all. So although it has happened very quickly, it's difficult to pin down a protracted period of time where we have actually played well under Emery.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the the 22 game unbeaten run was, it uh, goes back to what I was saying earlier about how we as fans were looking for for positives. And it was mm-hmm. a case of, well... We're winning, we're getting results, we're not being beaten. What more do you want? And if you raised some concerns at that point about the level of performances and the stats and the underlying metrics and the fact that we were outperforming XG and the opposition weren't scoring um, the, the, the chances that they would be expected to score, it suggested that at some point there was going to be an equalization. You know, we were going to get found out. And that that was the case towards the end of the season as our performance levels dipped. So, you know, I think some of the positives that we we might look at from the early part of Unai Emery's reign were in some way down to goodwill from mm. the fan base. And look, 22 games without losing, you can't, well, we just have argued with it, right? But yeah. um, I think football nowadays... And the way that football works is it goes beyond the results. It has to because there is all this information out there. There's all this data out there that tells you um, more about uh, how a football team is performing than just the results do. So, look, anytime my team goes 22 games without losing you know you can be happy with the results but also at the same time share concerns about the performances and and what it might tell you about the the longer term prospects of the club and and those those statistical chickens came home to roost
0: yeah and i think as much as i would say you know there's things for the club to learn from this appointment and this tenure generally i i think it's fair to say there's probably things for a lot of fans to learn too you know I mean I barely remembered a a managerial appointment at Arsenal certainly not in my adult life Mm. so you know going through that process and sort of understanding the the enthusiasm that's engendered and you know how that can all shift I mean it's 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 a learning curve for many of us let's put it like that and I I suspect whoever the new man is if they get a few sneaky wins here and there Mm. I'll I'll be on that Train to you know thinking here we go this is it but well, that's you know
1: isn't that the point of it though isn't it that you know one of the things that we've been talking about you know for months now is just having nothing to believe in and nothing to mm. get behind and that's what a new man will give you whether it turns out in the long run that 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 faith or that belief is is well placed or misplaced only time will tell but that is part of it it's like okay that's that didn't work okay let's move on. It's not the end mm. of the fucking world if a manager comes to your football club and doesn't work out. You know that's ju- it's just not something that that's within the experience of um, many Arsenal fans um, who have you know for for generations grown up with one man in charge. Mm. You know, so I, I, I've I you know. Th- this idea that was going around and it was something that was said to me that, you know, the club itself were, they didn't want to be seen as the kind of club that would just sack a manager willy nilly as if this was some kind of, this was some terrible thing that you could do to a person rather than it just being it's business. It's a job. And if a guy's not doing his job or he's not performing to the level, then you get rid of him. I mean, they do it with players all the time. The minute a player is deemed to be expendable, they're generally gone, you know, mm-hmm. unless you fucking land yourself with ones you can't get rid of because you're paying them way too much or, you know, but it's just another business transaction. Um, I think you made um, you made a good tweet about this because you were comparing it to Wenger to a few weeks back and somebody said it was, you know, it's just business the same way as it was with Wenger and you said something along the lines, well, with Wenger it was a divorce. You Mm. know, whereas this, this had none of that. The roots weren't in the ground. Yeah, you absolutely. The relationship had barely been consummated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. And the the attachment wasn't there. So it it does, for us, I think as supporters feel more clinical. It should be easier for the club. And the other thing is that we've all been, uh, you know, sold this idea of a a new structure where theoretically moving a coach on or bringing one in shouldn't, Change that much mm. shouldn't cause great disruption. So this will be the test, won't it, of that structure? Um, yeah, certainly. Yeah, it will. I mean,
1: some thoughts on how long it took mm. to make this change, and and maybe what it is. I mean, we did it on the the podcast on Monday, didn't we? Where we said, "What's your faith in in the you know in the football executive committee and Raul Sanjay and and those people?" And I think in in some ways they've been taken a bit by surprise by quite how marked this decline was and and how quickly it's happened and how how rapidly supporters have lost faith with what's going on um there were suggestions they were willing you know to let it go for another couple of weeks but have come to the conclusion that that they need to make the change so mm. yeah i yeah i have some worries about this which i might touch on in the, the second part because we're going to be asked questions about who and when and why and all that kind of stuff but, you know, do you do you have any sort of further thoughts from Monday on Raoul and um, and that cohort?
0: Uh, well, I mean, the story going around via David Ornstein and a few others is that Arsenal went to America last weekend and that this has been coming for about seven days. The decision was made before the Frankfurt match, so I suppose that's a little bit of mitigation. I think a lot of people would say it's still late, you know, and, and I I don't really understand. We went through the international break with Unai Emery at the helm. Um, it, you know, Spurs made the change then. It was an appropriate point to do it. I don't know why we didn't, and it does trouble me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have at least done it now, and of course they're going to be judged by... The appointment they make, aren't they? I mean, this, you know, Ivan Gazidis was the guy who led the recruitment search that led to Unai Emery. He's no longer there. The next man will be very much their man. So, yeah. you know, the, the, they need to uh, get it right. I mean, the problem, as we sort of have implied earlier on in the show, is that most managerial appointments don't work, do they? Certainly not in the way that, you know, we want them to.
1: hmm yeah, I mean, it is. It's going to be a big test for Raul and um, Edu and this football executive committee and what have you because this is well and truly their, their appointment. I do think that, that uh, Sanyehi was very strongly behind the appointment of Emery, even if it was um, when Gazidis was the CEO.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, you know, there's there's a way for him to hide behind that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Gazitas was that guy and he's gone now. So it is well and truly on, on Raoul. Uh, I think we'll, you know, talk about the other candidates in, in part two. But in the meantime, we have Freddie Jumberg as the interim coach, which allows Arsenal to take their time to an extent to find whichever guy they think is going to be the right guy in the long term. It may even prove to be Freddie Jumberg. Who knows? But what, what are your thoughts on, on what Freddie's got in front of him? And, you know, we all have this romantic idea that he might come in and be the head coach and be the guy that we all need, like, you know, our own homegrown Pep Guardiola kind of figure who comes um you know from the from the B team or the youth setup or the the under 23s or whatever it might be and and becomes the head coach and is successful at it but you know even leaving that long-term romantic ideal aside he's got a really difficult job on his hands now because he's taking over a team with no confidence no form um which is probably like any team um a little bit shell-shocked when a manager goes some of them I'm sure will react very positively to this uh, because they weren't necessarily on board with what Emery was doing but it's still a big task for a guy with no first team management experience to to turn it around mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, he's got no staff either, let's not forget. I think four or five members of Uno Emery's first-team staff have left the club today. So Mm. uh, that's the situation he needs to amend very quickly. I'm sure they'll do that with some internal appointments. Um, But yeah, I'm excited, obviously, to see what Freddie brings. I mean, ever since he was uh, moved to the first-team coaching squad, this summer, we've talked about the prospect of him potentially being a manager one day, and you know he's fully qualified. We don't need to worry about that. He's got all the badges, you know, so there's no yeah, sort of
1: administrative issue. Th- that's a good point, isn't it? Because there were some suggestions that he didn't have the required license to be a head coach. If we decided to to give it to him, no, he's done
0: his homework. So uh, I, I think that from from what we hear from the club, they rate Freddie incredibly highly they definitely regard him as someone who they want to be part of the the setup moving forward um and i guess a lot of it will depend on what he's able to do with the team you know we've seen haven't we with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United uh, that sometimes a caretaker spell doesn't necessarily mean that's the person you should go for uh, but if he does spark an upturn then fantastic i mean look we mm. as fans We'd love to see one of our, someone, one of our own, but you know, someone who we really associate yeah, yeah, yeah. with Arsenal. He is one
1: of our own. Come on, it's Freddie. Yeah, yeah. It's Freddie. I mean, he's just tweeted there 20 minutes ago as we're recording this. And he says, however long I oversee Arsenal for, I will give everything I have to put smiles on faces again. We have a busy few weeks ahead and the team needs your support. Let's get to work. Um. Mm. You can feel like that message will resonate far more than Unai Emery this week, for example, calling for supporters to get behind the team. You know, which yeah. you know was a look. I can understand why he was doing it. It was a desperate situation, and he was looking for as much support as he could. But you know, it had gone too far the other way. Whereas that, I think, will will resonate with people. Um, I mean, when you talk about him being one of our own, and they want him to be involved, do you think? Do you think that will perhaps have an influence on their thinking when it comes to whatever long-term appointment they might make?
0: How do you mean? Do you mean he might go for someone who's maybe more experienced that could work alongside Freddie for a period and sort of groom him for the, for the big job eventually?
1: Mm, yeah, but also somebody with, with that Arsenal connection.
0: Potentially, potentially. I mean, I, I think that as much as Freddie's really highly regarded, there must be a bit of um, a, a feeling internally that this has come quite soon for him. You know, I mean, he's been with the first team for what a few months, and now suddenly he's running the show. Yeah. Um, maybe it's sooner than ideal. I guess we'll kind of find out, won't we? Because we'll we'll see what sort of response he manages to agenda from the players. I kind of feel that if he is such a big coaching prospect, there is a degree of risk, isn't there, in kind of giving him the keys at this stage? You know, you, if he is a potential Arsenal manager, you want him to be an Arsenal at a time when he's absolutely ready, and there would be no shame in him not being ready today, given the relatively limited experience he has.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, how often has it happened where a player, for example, has an opportunity, it it just opens up for him? Think Ashley Cole, who was a hugely talented player, but had Silvino not had that passport that he'd made up on, you know, his own Microsoft Word, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, Ashley Cole's pathway to first-team football might well have been blocked. Of course. So there's, a, there's an element of timing with, with things like this where, you know, we... we um, uh, what was I going to say there? I was totally sidetracked by uh, something that just popped up on my screen, which was uh, just a story about Frankfurt fans, by the way, um, from, from <laughs> Andrew Allen, in case anyone gets the wrong idea. Um, but, yeah, you're right. There is such a thing as a, a
0: once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. There is such a thing as that, mm. well. uh, and this could be that.
1: I was so. going to say, like you know, people talk about Guardiola, people talk about Klopp, and how we missed out on them. But you know, in 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 uh, in those circumstances, maybe the timing wasn't right because Wenger was still at Arsenal. You can make the argument that Arsenal themselves could have said goodbye to Wenger and taken one of these more highly rated coaches. But uh, you know, that's the reality that sometimes. Um, timing plays a huge part in a, a player's career and also a coach's career
0: mm, yes certainly and look it's a fantastic opportunity for Freddie and I can't imagine it's one that he hasn't thought about you know he's he's not stupid he's seen what's going on at the club in the last few months he must have thought there's a possibility here that I have, need to step into the breach and I would lo- I can't wait to see what he's got planned for us what do you think? back yeah. 3. <laughs> uh, no,
1: I don't think so. Back 3. Urzel dropped again. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm really curious. I think yeah. um there was a tweet from George Bird who does the mm. who does the the Arsenal youth stuff obviously on on Arsblog News and he uh, he's up, watched the under 23s and watch Freddie. Um where is that? thing uh, boop, boop, boop. I can't find it but basically people ask him what kind of a what kind of a coach Freddie is and let me just see if I can find it here if I can just bring up George's timeline but it says like plays out from the back you know will argue with officials <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah. yeah a few people have asked what, what Jumberg is like as a coach likes to play out from the back midfielders making dynamic runs lots of pressing always very encouraging of players during the game argues with officials a lot. So, you know, if he can introduce sustained and consistent pressing mm. to an Arsenal team, I'd be well and truly on board with that. You know, play it out from the back. Again, I don't see anything wrong with that as long as you can do it properly. Midfielders making dynamic runs, wow, what a thing that would be when you consider how how static and how... Um, Almost non-existent at times, our 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 midfield has been under Unai Emery. So, you know, given the given the footballing education he got as a coach um, at Arsenal while Wenger was still there as a player under Wenger, I would be very surprised if his outlook wasn't a considerable amount more positive and attacking than Unai Emery's. Yeah. I
0: spoke to uh, a couple of the young players who played under Freddie uh, for a piece I did about him, Cohen Bramall and uh, Julio Plegasrello, and they raved about him. And one of the things Cohen Bramall said, I was just finding it then, he said, uh, your pass had to be precise. You know how Arsenal play, but with Freddie, everything had to be perfect. Finding the pocket on the half turn, playing high, rotating at the right time. And just that thing of the precision of the passing, the weight of the passing. I mean, that was Arsene Wenger's obsession, you know? Mm. And it seems like Freddie has carried that with him into his coaching career. As you would expect, it's only natural that he should. So... I think there'll be ex- a bit of excitement in the squad, to be honest, about working with Freddie for lots of different reasons. Number one, you've got that whole contingent of academy players who worked with him before and clearly feel that real affinity with him because he's a good communicator and he was a successful coach with them. Then you've got all the attacking players, people like you know Aubameyang, Lacazette, Özil, Pepe, who might think here we go. Maybe we're going to get off the leash here. Yeah. And then you've got just the new manager bounce to inject into proceedings as well. So, you know, we go to Norwich. on. I was dreading that game. I honestly thought we'd be lucky if we get anything there. And Norwich aren't a particularly great team, but I just thought away from home, no chance. Now, I'm buzzing, to be honest. I'm buzzing to see how they do. I'm buzzing to see the team he selects, you know, the way we set up on the field, that the style of play. And just to see if those players play, I mean, it's a cliche, but with a smile on their face, because
1: that has not been present for a long time. No, I mean, I think the players need something to believe in as much as we do. Mm. You know, I, I know people say, well, you've got to look at the players and their part in, in Emery's failure, and that might well be true. Maybe some of them haven't played as well as they could have. I think that, for the most part, is true. I think, you know, I've said this to you, more than once, that I think the players that we have are capable of far more than we've seen. And I don't really think it's a case that they've they've downed tools. But when you're working in an environment where you don't believe in what you're being told, we saw it at the end of the Wenger era as well. You know, Wenger as one of the greatest managers in world football, you know, somebody who players wanted to come to Arsenal to play for even at the end, you know, of his of his tenure at the end of his reign you know even he couldn't motivate players once he'd lost them once that dressing room stopped listening mm. to him we saw what the impact was on results and and they had um, and I'm, I don't mean this to be critical of um, Emery in any way but I would say that the Arsenal players who underperformed uh, the team that underperformed under Wenger they all to a man respected him in a big big way because of the kind of man that he was, because of the way he protected them, because of his achievements in the game. Um, I'm not sure that the Arsenal players at the moment would have had quite the same respect um, for for Unai Emery. Nevertheless, Mm. even with that, the players under Wenger kind of gave up. You know, so when that happens... When that happens, there's, there's just no way a guy can turn it around. Um, and we've seen that over the last few weeks in terms of performances. So, yeah, I think they, they'll they get on board with Freddie. And I don't know how long he's going to be in the job, how long he's going to last. But like you, I'm actually looking forward to an Arsenal game again because the last few weeks, maybe the last few months, I really haven't. Mm. I haven't looked forward to watching us play I felt conflicted and that's an awful way to feel about the football team that you support and you know I'm I'm glad we've got something different on Sunday and I'm excited to see what he does how he does it and what the what the impact might be it might take him a couple of weeks but like I just feel I feel like he will understand the way that Arsenal should play football and I think that's something we can get on board with.
0: Yeah. And look, fundamentally, he's someone who we have a relationship with, and there's going to be a lot more uh I don't know, love for him just from day one. You know, you mm. know Emery could have put out that tweet you read out earlier from Freddie Umberg and I think people would kind of collectively shrug their shoulders, but it's Freddie Umberg. You know, mm. it's someone who we want to succeed Desperately, And I know we did want Unamich to, to succeed, but this is a, a different case. And I think, yeah, for however long he's in the job, he will have the backing of the fans because I think there's a sort of collective sense that it can't be any worse than what we've had so far this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, in, in fairness, there was an element of that when, when Arsene Wenger left, wasn't there? Well, it can't get any worse than this. And look... we And we and we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were wrong. And it, it, it did. Um, well, look, and it might, but like that is... That's the, that's the fucking whole point of sport as well, isn't it? Like, you can't confidently predict that, you know, this is, this is exactly what's going to happen. You're, you're along for the ride, and the ride could be enjoyable, the ride could be terrifying, the ride could be dull and lifeless. Mm. But all you can do is react to what's going on while you're, while you're being ridden, if you like.
0: Absolutely, and, you know, maybe this is all necessary, as well, you know, maybe it getting a bit worse before it gets better is part of the process of moving on from Arsene Wenger, uh, and maybe in the fullness of time we'll see it as a, a thing we had to go through to get where we wanted to be. Mm. Um, certainly, certainly it feels like that. You know, it, it just it has been tricky, but it has only been eighteen months of our lives as Arsenal fans. So now we can look forward optimistically, glasses. Half full.
1: Yeah. Wipe the slate clean and we go again. Exactly. All right. Let's take a break. Um, we'll come back with some of your questions and more in part two. I mean, most of the questions are, who's going to be the new manager? Um, but we'll I'd- tell you in part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no
0: spoilers. What? Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs>
1: All right. We'll be right back after this.
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short-Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at ArseBlog on the ArseBlog Facebook page facebook.com forward slash the ArseBlog and on the ArseBlog Discord server which you get access to if you're an ArseBlog member on Patreon. Um, let me go with this one, James, first. Mm-hmm. This comes from Ed Wilson who's at Ed underscore Wilson 87. He says, How much faith do you have in our current board to replace Emery with the right man? And board... You know, can be, you know, the people running the football side of the club, just as a short way of putting that. The noise suggests a Mendez-leg candidate that'll override all of our long-term future fan engagement and style of play. It's quite worrying. And just tied into that one, this is from FPL Blackstar, who's at FPL underscore Blackstar who says, Thank God the pain is over. With new candidates in mind, why do you think Nuno is getting a bad reaction from fans? He's a great communicator, playing style, has Premier League experience and done a fantastic job at Wolves. Has hints of Spurs nicking Pochettino from Saints, he says.
0: Mm. Well, I think that one of the reasons that people are concerned about Nuno because uh, I was surprised at the strength of the reaction, a lot of people were very unhappy about that link, it is his association with Georgie uh, Mendes and, you know, that kind of super agent world. And obviously, you know, we've spoken about Edu's links with Kia Jurabchian and and Kia and Mendes have an association, having worked together in the past. And I guess there is a, a fear that the club will get kind of enveloped uh, in that sort of business. But... um, it's a really tricky one that isn't it because it's a, such a double-edged sword you know on the one hand mixing with those people might get you the players you want or the players you need or help you get deals done mm. on the other you you end up slightly at their behest so yeah I think it's a, a tricky one what do you what do you think about Nuno
1: I, I don't want him mm. for many of those reasons I think I think Wolves he's done a good job at Wolves, no question about it. But I think he's been given a, a playing squad at Wolves that Wolves shouldn't really be able to have, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because of the connections to Mendez and the the players that he's brought in, the deals that he's done, et cetera, et cetera. I think the other thing to consider, and you know, you might you might say, I'm an idiot or I'm I'm delving into the realms of conspiracy, but who is George Mendez's best friend? Uh Bruno. Yeah. So are are we going to give control of our football club and our transfer business? Because make no mistake, if you have a Mendez appointment as manager, Mendez is having a very significant role to play in your transfer business and your recruitment, right? Mm. So are we going to give him carte blanche to bring in the kind of players you know that he wants so he can move players through Arsenal Football Club and take all those agents fees while his best mate is manager of Tottenham down the road that no that doesn't sit right with me at all at all so you know I think Nuno has done a good job at Wolves but I think the Mendes connection the Mourinho connection the 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 way that it would um, dictate our recruitment over the coming years I think is something that I would not want for Arsenal Football Club and that's mm. that's where I would have serious concerns about Nuno Do you want the good news? Sure Literally as you
0: were just talking I've had a text that, that suggests that that's probably a red herring that one uh, Okay That's, you know if you don't want Nuno I don't think we're going to get Nuno
1: Okay, that's good Well, I'm happy but,
0: I, I, I mean, I would, I mean, it seems almost pointless to say it now, but the only thing I'd say is I've weirdly have quite a lot of mates who are Wolves fans. And so I've paid a bit more attention to them than I otherwise would. And I do think there are some really positive attributes in him as a coach. I know he had a tricky time in some previous jobs, but he is a, mm. a great figurehead for that club. And I think, I think he'll get a top job somewhere. I just don't think it'll be at Arsenal.
1: You don't worry that he might be... A little bit Marco Silva, maybe.
0: Maybe, maybe, but uh, you know, uh, he'll get a good job because he's got a good agent ultimately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, he'll turn up somewhere, but I, I, yeah, I don't think, I think, I mean, look, it's interesting. There was all that talk about Mourinho, it ultimately didn't come to anything. Talk about Nuno it ultimately looks like it might come to nothing. What's mm. the common link there? It's come from an agent who who might be in the interests of that person to put the story out. So yeah, I, I think we, yeah, I think we can take it with a pinch of salt.
1: Maybe so. But I mean, I do think there is a connection between Mendez and Raúl. Oh, you know, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's yeah. not be blind to that either. It's not just Mendez having a laugh or anything like that. Um, so just back to the original question, leaving um, Nuno to one side then. Mm. What is your faith in this setup to make the right kind of a appointment? Honestly, it is. I have more faith in this set,
0: the the setup that replaced Arsene Wenger, and there are a few reasons for that. One is the presence of Edu, um, the absence of Ivan Gazidis, and there are other people within the club of increasing influence people like jason rosenfeld or maybe even per mertzacker who might be consulted at least in this process and i'd like to think that between them we can arrive at a, a good decision i i mm. yeah I, i'm relatively optimistic about that what about you
1: um i'm i'm not quite as optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be, but I'm just not able. I think, you know, the last few weeks have shaken my faith in 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 those upstairs. Um, I do think that there's perhaps a little bit too much power with Raul Senyehi and not quite as spread out across this committee mm-hmm. as we might like. But, I don't know. What can you do about that? We'll wait and see. I think where, where you know, we said earlier on, there's no hiding place now. No hiding place for this appointment. Whatever appointment Raul Sanyehi makes, this is a Raul Sanyehi appointment. You know, the club will, of course, dress it up as, you know, we believe that he is the right man. And we, you know, we went through due process and did our... Due diligence with, with all these various candidates, and we have decided. But ultimately, Sanya is the head of football, and you know while the Cronkies have to green light uh, whatever appointment comes next, they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue as to who would be a good man or a bad man or, or anything else. No. So they can only work on the advice of the the experts, if you like, that they've put in charge of their their investment. Which is Arsenal, so it's going to be a very interesting one, I think. Um, it is super interesting. Be- and, I, and what way do you yeah. think they're going to go? Because Emery was a safety first appointment, right? Mm-hmm. I think we we understood that. Do you think they might be inclined to go down the same road again, just with somebody who they consider more of a safe bet? Or do you think there's sort of the foresight or the insight or the gumption at Arsenal now to make the kind of decision that maybe people aren't necessarily on board with at first, but which comes from a a place of conviction that they have this, mm. you know, real belief in whichever candidate it might be that they could take us forward? Because, you know, think about... Um, George Graham, when he was appointed Arsenal manager, he was manager of Millwall. Now, Arsenal weren't doing great, but still, the idea that Arsenal were going to appoint the Millwall manager, regardless of the fact that he was a former player, raised eyebrows. Think mm-hmm. about Arsene who? Who is this Frenchman? What does he know about English football? Said Tony Adams. Remember, that, you know, at the time, I don't know how well you remember this, but... Uh, if I remember correctly, there were three names doing the rounds. I think Terry Venables was one of them. Well, the, Johan Cruyff? The other was Johan Cruyff. Yeah. And then it was Arsene Wenger. And I remember at the time being so on board with the idea that Johan Cruyff, of course. this incredible player, this guy who did – such incredible work at Barcelona, not only, you know, as a manager, but but um, you know, in terms of the the style and the ethos of the football club and the way that they would play football. You know, he had this seismic impact on that football club. You know, this Barcelona, and you're thinking, wow, Johan Cruyff at Arsenal, that would be fucking amazing. And instead, we went for Arsene Wenger, and I think it would be fair to say that there were people who doubted that appointment. In time, though, it proved to be the right one. It was a risk. It was brave. It was left field, as almost as left field as you could come. This was a guy who came from Japan. Um, and I just wonder if within the names mentioned right now, there's a candidate that they see that kind of potential in rather than somebody who... Yeah, he can come in, he's managed you know, a couple of clubs and done all right. He'd, he'd be able to guide us to relative safety. Well, is that candidate Freddie? Would it, be my question. It could be Freddie. It could also be Mikel Arteta, mm. who I know, again, people have, would rightly have concerns about because he's never managed a team in his life. Right? I I get that. I understand why people would be sceptical of that kind of an appointment. I have to say it's one that intrigues me. I'm not saying Arteta would be the, the next great Arsenal manager. I'm just looking at the names out there and I find him a really intriguing prospect.
0: Arteta? Yeah. Hmm. I do too and I've said that for a while now I think that he I think he would be my number one choice actually Um, I know he's not managed (laughs) a senior game before but I just there's something about his character the people he's worked with the reports you hear about his work at Man City um, the fact that they're considering him as Pep's successor frankly if he's good enough for them he's good enough for us at the moment and yeah, he would figure pretty prominently on my list. I suppose the, side, the tricky thing is, if you appoint Arteta, and a, I think we don't really know how interested he would be in that job and how badly he took not getting it last time. Um, but b, what does that do to Freddie to bring in someone roughly the same yeah. age? Yep. You know,
1: I, I guess so. I mean, it's one of those. It's one of those. Um, Questions that they're going to have to—they're going to have to think about. Um, yeah, look, it's—I it, look. I mean, what else do you think of the candidates out there? Pochettino. I don't think there's any realistic chance of Pochettino becoming Arsenal manager. Uh, I know people say he's a, a really good coach and he's available. Do you not think there's something intrinsically dangerous about appointing a former Tottenham coach as Arsenal coach because? maybe he won't be given the kind of time or or leeway that he might need simply because of his connection with that club. Do you think people would be willing to overlook the five-odd years at at Tottenham and the fact that he said he'd rather be a farmer than ever manage Arsenal? I just don't see how that would work.
0: No, I I don't think it will happen. You know, Pochettino, from what we hear, is pretty clear on this. He said he would never manage Arsenal, he would never manage Barcelona. And I would—I know it's football, but I would expect him to stand by that. And look at George Graham's experience—he crossed the divide, went the other way, and I think he had a tricky time at Spurs. And you're absolutely spot on that the goodwill wouldn't be there, and it would only take a couple of defeats before people would bring up his trophy, trophyless years at Spurs, and you know all those doubts would creep in. I think he's a great coach, and now that he's not at Spurs, I can say it freely. But I don't think he would come to Arsenal and I would understand maybe the board's reticence uh, mm. there. Uh, yeah, so that's, I think, maybe one off the list. Who who else is being talked about? Allegri. Yeah, I mean, we did this on, was it Monday we talked about this? Allegri just doesn't do a lot for me. And I, it's sort of so subjective, uh, but it doesn't, light a fire in me emotionally I know he's got a great track record um yeah I can't really explain that it's just a sort of gut feeling
1: yeah I I know what you mean because you look at his track record and it is it, it's pretty incredible um you know particularly at Juventus uh, the years he spent at Juventus um yeah. Uh, you know, but like it, not saying Serie A was a one horse race, but it kind of was. Um, so he's won lots there. I don't know what his record was like at, at Milan. Um, did he win anything? Let's uh, see. Not sure. Not sure. But I mean, obviously. Uh, Milan. I mean, uh, he obvi-
0: did win Serie A in 2011. It's an outstanding record, Andrew. So. Maybe I'm stupid. I know some people will be shouting that into their <laughs> <laughs> phones. Um, I, I don't know if it, uh, the communication issue, you know, if, uh, I think Amy Lawrence has said, written in her piece today, that, you know, his English a year ago certainly wasn't at the standard you would
1: hope for. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this on Monday where I asked James Horncastle, who said, you know, it's yeah. not great. Um, Azim Ali, who's at Azim underscore Ali, on Twitter says should decent command of English be an important criteria uh, in choosing the new head coach I mean
0: I think it probably should I know people like Pochettino have come into clubs and worked through interpreters and done okay I just think in the way that sometimes a, an appointment is kind of a response to what's going wrong with the last manager we do need a communicator Yeah, and I think the fans need it as much as the players and, uh, yeah, English would be a prerequisite for me. Um,
1: mm, me not too. in any sort of jingoistic way. It's no, just no, no, I agree. Just a, a practical way. It's simply mm. practical, you know, for a coach to come in and be able to talk to to the players, talk to the fans, talk to the media, and express themselves um, fully. You know, mm. I, th- I think probably... Emery has suffered a little bit because of that, and I've always said here that I thought his his decision to come in and speak English from day one was both admirable and brave because it's not easy, mm. and it's it's very difficult to speak in a a second language, um, and you 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 sound. You don't have the range of vocabulary or expression that you do in your native tongue, unless you're, you know, absolutely fluent in in that language, and that takes years and years and years, right? I mean, even Arsene Wenger's English improved over the years um, while he was at Arsenal. So, I just think that from from a communication point of view, when it is so important, I think we do need somebody who isn't going to endure the same kind of problems whether it's via translators whether it's via stilted media interviews or press conferences or whatever it might be you know I think it's part of the bigger picture like we have to get something to get on board with and you know a really talented coach might be a really talented coach but if we can't if he can't talk to us or if we can't hear him then you know that makes him the wrong man at the wrong time you know
0: yeah yeah I think that's uh, I think that's absolutely fair. Well, what about a candidate who does uh, speak fluent English? Do you think there's any chance of
1: Brendan Rodgers? No, I don't. I don't think so. Why would he? Well, he probably would leave Leicester, wouldn't he? Because. You know, even yeah. even as even as poor as things are right now, Arsenal are a, a club with much greater stature than than Leicester. We're not a better team than them, right at this moment in time. But as a club, uh, yes, and and um, Rogers would certainly, I think he would, you know, turn over his own mother to get to a bigger club if he felt it was the right thing for his mm-hmm. career. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> I'd I'd find it hard to warm to him just on a personal level but as a coach he's done done very well at Leicester he's got that team playing some really excellent football and I don't know that we can afford to be that snobby (laughs) Um, just because I don't like someone's face is not a good reason for Arsenal to give them the job if that makes sense do you think he's a good coach? I think he is, yeah. I think yeah. he is. It was. It was never really, really about the his coaching ability. Um, although I do think his his time at Liverpool was slightly. Um, I don't think it was quite as good as people said. Right. You know. Um, it, it's really been about personality for me. Um, you know, and this is a guy who has. Yeah, just just personality, really. I find it very hard to warm to him, and um, but as a coach, I think he, he's he's probably decent. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I I have to say, I I really like Brendan's work as a coach. I think Brendan, like he's my friend, Anki um, uh, Brandy, Anki Brandy. I I think he's uh, you know an irritating character at times, but a good manager. Now, I don't see him leaving Leicester, certainly at the midway point of a season. Um,
1: Well, he left Celtic just before they were winning nine in a row, or whatever it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Like, he
1: would. Like, he'd push his kid off a cliff for a step up. That's wrong, isn't Uh, it, to suggest uh, that he would murder his own children? (laughs) I just mean that he is, you know, he is an ambitious guy. So I get the feeling
0: you don't don't want him, you don't want him. I mean, (laughs) but the, the, the trouble is you know some people don't like him i i don't especially but i really think he's a good manager so I, I you know he would definitely be on my shortlist um i'm just trying to think if there's anyone else in the premier league not not so, not really
1: people will talk eddie Howe, but i don't think that's realistic um i mean i think you you start looking abroad then and if you're looking at summer appointments then there's Nagelsmann and there's Ten Hag and those guys which is why maybe somebody like Freddie could be given the rest of the season do you think that's likely that he'll get a, a good solid stint you know if it was the club are going to have to in this period of time stick a lot of irons in a lot of fires right and talk to a lot of people and see what the interest is in, in those people in doing the job at Arsenal, And some of that might be, um, would you be interested in doing this job? And it would be, yes, but I will only take over next summer. Um, mm. And it depends then if they're prepared to wait for that candidate. So we could see Freddie get longer than, than people might think. Or would someone like Arteta, you know, given the situation at Everton who might themselves be looking for a new manager sooner rather than later and and Arteta obviously has um, a, a very deep connection with Everton they might feel that in order to get their guy if they want Arteta they're going to have to get there before Everton do it so it's um it's a difficult job oh shit what was that i don't my know my phone fell off the table you reckon um, your phone that means we're getting <laughs> who are we getting <laughs> who's the greatest manager around i can't remember
0: uh, Ten Hags, the Nagelsmen, I personally think they're out of our reach. Is that um, a, fair? I don't know. Without Champions League football.
1: Yeah, that's that's a point. That's a point.
0: Um, what about old go familiar on. names like Carlo Ancelotti or something like that?
1: You know, I, I talked about Rafa Benitez during the week yeah. on the blog. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you were gonna give somebody the job on a, a short term basis, Rafa Benitez or or someone like Carlo Ancelotti, who has, you know, vast experience, would probably do a decent job until the end of the season, particularly if you're looking to win a European trophy. You know, and Benitez has won the Champions League, he's won the Europa League, Ancelotti's won the Champions League for how many times? three times, four times, you know. Um, mm. And given the the increased importance of the Europa League to our season, you could see why that might be a good short, relatively short-term appointment until such time as the summer arrives. But then with those guys, do they want a, you know, a six-month contract? You know, I don't know. Do you get Ancelotti if you're only offering him six months? I don't know. Well, n- no,
0: I would say. Um, Not when he's already currently in a job, as things stand, you know. Mm. Patrick Uh, Vieira? Patrick Vieira, I mean, I would be really interested to see it. I have to say, you know, he has done the job. He has gone and been a manager in America, in France. Nissan having the best time in Liga, but when you look at that situation, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances. They've had a crazy situation with their ownership. They've had a lot of problems with players. Um, they had a thing where they had to sack a guy earlier this season because he nicks one of their players' watches. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I think he's been in a very tricky situation there. The work he did in MLS was brilliant, and he's Patrick Vieira. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's Patrick Vieira, and the, that does a lot for me um i mean the trouble is and it's sort of worth couching all these conversations with this none none of us know i mean i know i've made a no but none of us know how a manager is going to do do we like you can think make what seems like a theoretically good appointment and it can be a disaster and there is just a kind of There is an element of pot luck, isn't there? Like you hope you get the right guy and
1: it all clicks. Well, yeah. I mean, you obviously have to make a choice, but you're making an informed choice based on information and statistics and data and interviews and suitability and availability and all those things. So it's not like you throw it up in the air and oh, that guy. Okay, let's see how he goes. So there is a process that you can go through, um, you know, to to minimize the risk, which isn't to say there, there isn't a, you know, there's always a risk, but you minimize that by going through a a good process when you're, when you're appointing a manager. Sure. Um,
0: You don't just give it to Tim Sherwood. I understand that, but like, (laughs) I sometimes think people look at what, uh, you know, he's at Nice now people say, well, they're not doing very well. And I'm like, well, you have to try and separate that from the context. And it's very difficult to know how he might do at a different club with a different set of players yeah. in a different situation. That's all I mean. It's just, it's, you know, there is a kind of unknowable element to this. I mean, obviously, it's not just random, but... Sure. Well, you know, yeah. in, in
1: as much as Emery was the wrong man at the wrong time for Arsenal, you know, Vieira could be the wrong man at the wrong time for Nice or not quite the right man and could turn out to be the right man at Arsenal. You know, I'm not saying that is the case, but, you know, we have to look at it in in, in those sort of contexts. So, you know, there's... All of these names floating about, and you know, at this point, it's so fresh. We've got no clear idea of, of who it is they want to go for or, or what direction they want to take. Um I, I didn't notice something within the um, within one of the athletic pieces today, which mm. said that as recently as the start of this season, Raul Sanjehi had been pushing for a contract extension for Unai Emery. Mm. That doesn't fill me with a great deal of faith in no. in Raul um and maybe I it explains maybe it explains why he was you know so desperate to hang on to him
0: yes yeah, certainly certainly i mean the only thing i would say is that you know when in that situation there were reasons it didn't get over the line you know and there are people within the club who were like, who could see the context and that it would not have been a good Hope that those people are included in the appointment process too. Um, yeah. But I, I uh, yeah, that that is a troubling fact, certainly. I, it's, it's such a fascinating time though. I mean, yeah, because it really feels like it could be anybody. And to be honest, I know we talked about Freddie, but to me it feels like he answers everybody else. If they give him a decent spell, and I think... We could be looking at a, a decent spell, you know. I think they'll only move to replace him if it's not working out. Then, then he could put himself in a
1: really strong position. Or if the candidate they want is available right then and there, you know. Yes, sorry. So yeah, If yeah, they, yes. they come across somebody, you know, if Freddie wins us, happy to come. yeah. If Freddie wins us five in a row and the candidate they want is there, then I think they make that that appointment. If they don't see Freddie as that guy, you know. Um, so look, it's you know, it's why they're paid a lot of money to do these jobs, because they're not easy. Um and they haven't done them as well as they, they should have. Um, just a quick question here, um, because I don't know that there's any other managerial candidates we've we've missed out on. I'm sure there'll be some names coming out of left of field that we haven't mm. we haven't thought about, but um what do you make of the role of the ownership in all of this? Um, because I, yeah. I, I harbor some some very serious concerns that uh, their their distance and their willingness to delegate and, and demarcate responsibility to people who they believe to be, you know, good people, the best people, etc., will play, will play a bit of a role here. I, I kind of, I don't know if they know how hard it's going to be for us to get back into the, into the top four. I think they thought we'll spend some money in the summer. Manager will turn it around. Arsenal have always been in the top four. Like what if the next managerial appointment doesn't work out and what if you know it becomes more clear that one of the issues that we have are the people running the football side of this club I mean how in tune do you think they're going to be to dealing with that kind of situation
0: I do think their distance slows things down that's my main observation about it that you know if they Mm. were more plugged in I think it might have expediated this process um I, I think it's really tricky because it's the whole thing about Cronky isn't it that he lets the people in charge do their jobs and on the one hand that is kind of what you want from an owner you don't necessarily want someone interfere expertise on the other hand if those people aren't as competent as they're supposed to be you get problems mm. um so really for me it's more about you know the what we're calling the sort of executive committee Uh, I'm looking at them now and I'm looking at them to get this right Uh, because they it will be their recommendation to the Cronkies ultimately who comes next Um, and I I think you know it's big for them but I I do wonder, like, how much it's damaged the perception of them, you know, the fact that this Emery saga has been a bit drawn out. I do Mm. wonder how much that's hurt them and how... what degree of faith there is in them. Um, Yeah. I, I, I just hope when we do appoint somebody that... I mean, I know, you know, we can go through the candidates and you might think this guy's good or I might think that guy's good or we might disagree on this or that, but... I hope, as happened with Emery, in fairness, when a new man is appointed, or whether it's just, you know, Freddie for the meantime, we've got to get behind that decision. You know, we've really got to, because this club is at its best when everyone's pulling in the same direction. And that, you know, that goes for the fans too. So I'm just looking forward to not having to debate it, you know, game in, game out. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I remember saying to you, when Emery was appointed, you know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to talking about football, Mm -hmm. talking about matches and performances and the opposition and tactics and the way that we play, you know, because we'd spent so long with everything. uh, Every discussion was um, based around Arsene Wenger and whether he should stay or whether he should go. You know, every single discussion was, are you Wenger in, are you Wenger out, whatever it was, you know, you could not view Arsenal without looking at at it through the prism of of Wenger's own situation. And now we're right back where we were with him, where we were, and now we've moved on. And I agree with you. I think we have to, I think we, um, I think we do have to get behind whatever decision that they make. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't be critical or we can't analyze it. Or if, you know, six or eight months down the line when it's not working, it doesn't mean we can't say, this is not working. I mean, I hope that the next appointment that we make is a big success because, you know, I want this football club to win matches again. I want the football to be good again. I want fans to enjoy themselves. I want, you know, going to matches to be an enjoyable experience. Working, um, you know, talking about Arsenal should be fun. And it hasn't been for a while. So, you know, I'm absolutely. Um, willing to get behind whichever manager they choose. Um, There is no, I don't think there is a universal candidate that everybody wants, you know? Um, But I think whatever candidate they choose, you can have your concerns or you can have your, um, you can have your worries about their suitability or, or whatever else, whether you like their personality, whether you don't think they've got enough experience, whether they don't have enough English, whatever it might be, you kind of have to put that aside for a little while mm. and just sort of let the guy do the job. As we did with Emery, and I think people are forgetting that we did that with Emery, that we were um, prepared um, you know, to, to give him all the goodwill and positivity that a new manager gets. And in 18 months, you know, we were in a very dark, difficult place, but it wasn't that um, people were from the very start saying, you know, no, we won't, we won't have any of this. So, you know, yeah, we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see, but I'm excited I'm excited about what's going to come next. I'm concerned about, you know, the people making the decisions. But in in terms of the decision that they've made today, I think it's the right one. and I think it's the only one we could have made for this football club to move forward and hopefully, hopefully do something that will salvage our season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope so. I mean, is it salvageable? That's my final question, really.
1: Yeah, we had a question on the Discord, I think it was from mm. Daniel Fitzpatrick. Um can we finish in the top four? Um I don't know that if we can. Was,
0: I, I'm I it doesn't feel especially likely it, I think, with a change. Um but it's still slim odds, isn't it? Yeah. What do we uh six eight points?
1: I mean it's do it's doable. It's not impossible, but it would mean it would mean we need to win a lot of games. Mm. And some of those other teams up up there to to hit a real blip. I mean there's a lot of points to play for. Mm. A lot of points. Um and uh, worth bearing in mind that
0: we won't be the only ones pushing, you know, if United and Spurs get their getting themselves together, they'll be in the mix as well. Mm. Uh, I had sort of written it off, to be honest. Um, I'm just going to try and take it game by game <laughs> at this stage.
1: Yeah, I think if we'd, <laughs> if we'd stuck with Emery, absolutely no chance. There's now a slim chance depending on who we get and how the players respond to them and the job that that person does. Um, I
0: think, yeah, let's get through this Christmas period, do you know what I mean, and see where we are. There's a lot of tough games coming up.
1: Ooh, yeah, big time. Big time. Well, nobody said it was going to be easy. And this is Arsenal Football Club where we do as much as possible to make things even less easy for ourselves. Mm. Mm. But we've taken a big step today. The Unai Emery era is over. The Freddie Yumberg era, for however long it's um, part of the annals of history at Arsenal, begins on Sunday against Norwich. And we'll be here on Monday mm. to, um, to talk all about it. Hopefully it's a goodly morning. Hopefully it is. I've got a good feeling, guys.
0: All right. Fingers crossed.
1: Fingers crossed. Thank you for listening as ever. We will catch you on the next one. Until then. Bye-bye.